Tonight we start a message and a series for the next 10 weeks called Prayers from the Upper Room. Our evening services are going to be uh, prayer focused. We want to say to you on your seats, you'll find a leaflet where just 10. Please take it with you and give it away. Or look at it and say, you know what, I'm going to commit to those 10 Wednesday nights. Wouldn't it be good to do a course? This is a course for your life. It will bless your life and build your life. And so I just really want to encourage you just to uh, do the whole 10 weeks with us. I'm going to be there for the whole 10 weeks and uh, rushing back from uh, lots of places that I'm, I'm at, but I'm just going to be able to just commit to that as a course. It will bless your life and build your life. But take a few leaflets and give them to your friends or to people who you think may need that. Prayers from the upper room. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, simply reads this. You've read it many times. It's one sentence, and it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I want to ask you who they were. They were all together in one place. What they were like. Who were they? Who were they? Was it the 12 disciples? Was it someone else? Was it somebody including the 12 disciples? You see, when we think about the upper room, we often think about the Holy Spirit just coming. But have you ever thought about the people who made it possible for him to come? That actually there are some characteristics of these people that he could come and, and actually be a part of their lives. We often think that the Holy Spirit coming was just a sovereign act. But have you ever thought this? Maybe if the people hadn't prepared themselves in the way that they prepared themselves, maybe he couldn't have come that it wasn't automatic. You see, what were they like? Number one, firstly, they were an obedient group. Did you know that Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, don't go anywhere else until you receive the promise of the Father? He said that at the end of Luke. And it also says that if you've got your Bible open to Acts chapter 1, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 2, Turn it back a page to Acts chapter 1 because it says, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem and to wait for the Father's promise. You see, they were an obedient group. They were a group that said, well, if you say that, Lord, I'm going to do that. Could you imagine if they'd said, stay in Jerusalem, it's so expensive here. I can't possibly stay here. I, I, you know, I've got things at home that I need to do. But actually, they were a group that said, well, Lord, you've said it, so we're going to be obedient. I wonder tonight whether or not if, if you could say, well, if the Lord says it, you know. And when he said to them, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure they really understood what he was on about. And I wonder if you're the sort of person that needs chapter and verse from God about what exactly he means before you will obey. Actually, I wonder if we can be the type of people that they waited for something that hadn't, they'd heard about but not really experienced. And yet, they were prepared to wait and do the, are you prepared to do the same? So the first thing about this group is they're an obedient group that took the Lord at his word. 
This group, secondly, was a group that stayed together despite the changes. You know, they had been terribly hurt. You know, one of their number had betrayed them and actually the Lord. We talk about Judas betraying the Lord, but it was a betrayal of them. And they've been terribly hurt. I wonder if, you see, they seem to be a group that said we've been really hurt, but we can actually not just move on from that, but not allow that to dominate everything that we're talking about. Could you imagine in the group after Judas had betrayed the Lord, their conversations, can you believe he's done that? And yet actually they were a group were able to cope with changes. It it actually says in Acts chapter 1 verse uh, 26 that they came together, cast lots, and they actually said, Matthias, come and be a part of our leadership group now. Even though there was hardship and betrayal, they stuck together and said, you know what, we we are the type of people that can overcome some hurts, but also we can receive new people into leadership, and they did with Matthias. It's very interesting that that's the type of they that they were. They were a group that understood the consistency of prayer and prayer work and praising, even when it seemed like things weren't happening. You know, it reported about this group. If you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, they were all continually united in prayer with all the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, his brothers had not followed him until after the crucifixion and the resurrection. And see, so this was a group that said, hey, we know that you thought he was mad, but you don't think that now, so you can become a part of us. You see, they were a group that were an accepting group. You see, if we want the Holy Spirit to fall, we've got to be able to embrace people. But also, they prayed together continually. Can you imagine on day three, day four, day five, well, where's this Holy Spirit? What's happening? They were singing, they were praising, they were continually praying. But actually, it didn't seem like anything happening. But you know, when nothing's happening, I want to say, I want you to teach you this principle, suddenly is coming suddenly is coming. So I wonder if we could be the type of church that say to ourselves and to each other, let's understand that continually and consistently praying together, although nothing happens at first, or it seems like nothing's happening, suddenly is coming. So let's stick at it. They were the the people, though, who didn't pray, though, without focus. Jesus said to them, I want you to wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, he said to me. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. It says there in Luke chapter 24. This was a group that not just prayed, but prayed and said, God, You've said you'd give us power. So God, we're asking for power. I wonder if your prayers are, and my prayers are sometimes, I don't want to just say you, Lord, bless the bees, the trees, and thank you for my food, and thank you for everything, and it's all so general. And God upstairs going, will you just ask me for something? They stuck with it and said, God, you've said you'd give us power. So we're asking for your power. 
You see, we need to learn the art and the determination to pray for something specifically. I wonder if you've got someone or something specific that you need to pray for tonight. He said, wait for me, for John baptized you with water, but I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And he said this, in a few days. So there's a type of group that said, well, he said in a few days. We don't know what few means, but we're going to stick at it, and we're going to pray specifically. Is there anybody in the house? I'm going to pray for you later on. We're going to pray together. You have an absolutely specific need that you want to say, God, it's this, and I can tell it to you in proper words, and, I'm going to, and you're going to lay it at Jesus' feet. Because you see, if you put a point and a focus to your prayers, not in a demanding way, but say, God, you've said this, your prayers will be sharper, deeper, and more uh, focused to him. They were a group that took their individual responsibility seriously. They did it so that they can bless the whole group. Did you notice in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, they, that's this group we're talking about, were all together in one place. They didn't say, oh, you know what, bless you, brother, I'll be there if I can. They said, no, I'm supposed to be there, so I'm going to be there. It was not by good intention or good in feelings that they were there. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm with you in spirit? Do you know what that means? Nothing at all. It means that somebody's kindly towards you. It's like sending you a birthday card, you know, with one of those poems in. And they mean it kindly, but actually it says here, they were all together in one place where they said they would be. You see, sometimes we've got to say, I might be an individual, but that group needs me, so I'm going to take my responsibility to be there when I need to be there. They were a group that did not get distracted what they used to do and were in the habit of used to being. Did you realize that the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost came. Let me tell you about the day of Pentecost. It was a national holiday. It was a celebration. There were things expected of you. There were things where you had to bring a harvest to the temple and be thankful. It was uh, lots of dancing and singing, waving things before the Lord. And there was actually in Jerusalem a great party going on and yet, even though they were committed Israelites, they said to themselves, you know what, we're supposed to be joining in that cultural holiday, and, and nobody would blame us for just pausing the prayer meeting for a while and say, let's do Pentecost the way we've always done it. But they didn't. They were a group that did not get distracted by what they used to do and used to be in the habit of doing, but they actually said, the hour of this need is different. So when the day of Pentecost came, they said, we're not joining in with that. We're doing this. I wonder if God could break into your routines. I wonder if God could break into some of the things that you did and yet still focus on seeking the Lord. See, that's the type of people they were. And this type of people creates an environment 
so that the Holy Spirit can begin to come. Did you know that they were 10 times larger than the original group? Jesus chose 12 disciples. And this group swelled to 120. Now we know that when Jesus through his ministry also traveled around and they got used to the group growing bit by bit. We know that Jesus sent out 70 and uh, we know that he appeared to 500 in the, in the resurrection time. But this group had swelled from the original core to this kind of now about well, maybe a little bit less than what's in the room right now. And they began to say to themselves, you know what? We are 10 times larger than our original numbers, but we've accepted that. We've accepted that the group is bigger, and we now are saying to ourselves, well, Lord, whatever you want to do with us. I know that that person over there, they haven't been with us all the time, but they're with us now, so Lord, just do it. They weren't particularly exclusive. Acts chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 say this. They were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including as the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And in those days, did you get that bit? In those days, Peter stood up amongst the brothers and sisters. The number of the people were together were about 120. How inclusive are you? You know, our 11 o'clock service is, uh, I hope you can fix this or I can get another microphone. Is that okay? Pardon? Okay. Uh, our 11 o'clock service is pretty jammed. And you might get the wrong impression that it's too full. It's not too full. It's not too full. We can still fit more people in. I wonder if your life needs to be open and inclusive. Perhaps you need to invite somebody. Perhaps you need to reach out to somebody. Perhaps you need to begin to say, you know what, we used to be this size, but now we're this size, and yet we still stick to our core beliefs and our core practices. I wonder how inclusive you are. That's the type of group that they were. Let me switch to this uh, handheld microphone over here because this is echoing in my ears here. Yeah, anyone on think? Thanks. Yeah, just turn this one off, if you will. They were the type of group that um, also recognized that they had a natural leader. Did you notice that it said that Peter stood up amongst them they didn't have a vote they didn't have a kind of uh, they didn't have a, a process whereby, whereby the leader was particularly chosen but they recognized the gift that was in him I wonder if you're the sort of person that can recognize gifts in other people that you could go along and encourage some people who are around you and begin to say hey you know what I see that gift in you they, they looked at Peter and said, you know what, Peter, you can be our spokesman. You haven't gone on a leadership course, although you've been with Jesus for three years, so that should do enough. We know that you were there and you denied the Lord three times and that wasn't uh, your best moment. But Peter, we recognize a gift in you. And therefore, they said, you know what, Peter, why don't you 
be our spokesman. They recognized the gift. What a great group this is. I wonder if you're the sort of person where you say, well, I'm too busy thinking about my gifts that I never bless anybody in their gifts. You see, what I'm trying to teach you tonight is that a type of people where the Holy Spirit falls have some qualities that you might not have noticed. Let me come into land. They were a people of a definite spiritual experience. How many of you could say with this hymn, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. How many of you could say that with me? That you could say, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. You see, the secret to these disciples was they'd been with him and they'd seen him risen. They'd heard his voice and they said, this is real. When you get to that place and you say, yes, Lord, I have definitely connected with you, then the Holy Spirit begins to fall. I wonder if you could be determined and say, well, you know, I know him. There is no reason whatsoever why he should not fall. They were prepared to wait beyond their current experience for things they had no real knowledge of. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I'm going to ask you to stand up, if you will. Because here's my little challenge to you tonight. This was a group that were prepared to wait beyond their current experience for something that they had no real knowledge of. But they were prepared to say, you know what, God? By faith, I want more. And whatever that more is, I want it. How about you? If you want the Holy Spirit to really move in your life, you've got to be prepared to be the person that says, you know what? I know that I trust you now. I've learned enough about you, God, that you're not going to do me wrong. I know that my faith is at a place where everything I know about you, God, I know that you love me and I know that's solid. And from that place, I am prepared now to say, God, I want the more that I don't yet know. That's a bit of a scary prayer, isn't it? I want the more that I don't yet know. You see, that was them. When it says they were in their upper room, they were obedient people. They were people who could deal with change. They were people who could include people. They were people who said, I want the more that I don't yet know. Could you pray that dangerous prayer with me? You see, many of you, I don't know what you think of, Pastor Scott, we're always, 
uh, kind of a bit reflective about what people think of us. You know, we're ordinary human beings. We really are. I like beans on toast like you do. Okay, you obviously don't like beans on toast. I like ordinary things like you do. I'm really happy for Scott that Arsenal seem to be winning. Don't check your phone. Don't check your phone. We're ordinary people. But here's my dangerous prayer for my life. God, would you give me the more that I don't yet know of you? Can you pray that with me? Can we pray that? in these prayers for the upper room. What if the Holy Spirit gave you the more that you don't yet know tonight? What over these next 10 Sundays and these next 10 Wednesdays, you experience God in a way that you haven't in your whole life. Is it one of the troubles about that we may have is we've got so much experience, we've had so many great things, but where is the verse two moment where it says, then suddenly a wind came from heaven. They were a group that said, okay God, give us the more that we have not yet experienced. Come on, who's with me? Could you pray that? 